Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, choir, for sharing with us. Thank you, uh, praise team, and thank all of you for joining in in worship. It's, you know, I look forward to worshiping, and I know you do also, and so uh, we need to pray before we get here. Lord, prepare our hearts for worship. Prepare me for worship, and then just really worship the Lord Jesus, Heavenly Father, when you come. Hebrews chapter 11 I want us to focus our attention on this chapter. I'm going to share with you a sermon that I've just simply entitled, The Double Side of Faith. The Double Side of Faith. And I'm going to point out this young family. This this young family is from our area, Winfield, Alabama. And so I'm going to talk about the Jordan family after a while. And so I appreciate uh, the slide. And, And so the Jordans are serving in an undisclosed location with the International Mission Board. And so um, be praying for this uh, family. They, they've been missionaries for a number of years now, have beautiful children, and I'm going to speak of them in just a few minutes. But I want to share with you about the double side, the double-sided faith or the double side of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. If you would look at verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse 6, but without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder. You can underline that word. He is a, God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. A couple of weeks ago, we had an opportunity, Judy and I had an opportunity to to attend uh, Judah, our granddaughter's uh, dedication service, and we visited with them, church they attend, Cross Point Church uh, in Trustful, and the pastor brother Ryan Whitley had preached a series of sermons on faith, and he made mention of of this series uh, during an introduction, and he mentioned something Uh, in regards to one of those sermons that really spoke to me. He mentioned about the two sides of faith, the two sides of faith. And so this morning I want to share with you a message that I just simply entitled Double-Sided Faith. And uh, if you'll notice there in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, there is an explanation of faith that's found in verse 1. The Bible says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And then he gives an explanation of faith, or the def- uh, that was the explanation. He gives a definition of faith there in verse 6. He says, but without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So there's a definition of faith. Then there's an explanation of faith. And so Paul is, in the following verses, uh, he's going to give a, perhaps an explanation of this two sides of faith. And I think it would be good for us to look at. And he points out in this that there's going to be a victorious side of faith, and then there's going to be an endurance side of faith. All of us probably have, perhaps have, have experienced the victorious side of faith. We'll point that out. And then a lot of us from time to time have experienced the endurance side of faith. And so to begin with, if you're jotting down notes, usually there's some blank, there's some note, uh, sermon note uh, sheets out there. And I'd encourage you, every chance you get, 
to mark in your Bible, to find a blank page in your Bible, or bring a blank sheet of paper with you, because from time to time, if you haven't already, you'll, you'll, it'll come to you, man, I wish I jotted that down in regards to that double-sided faith. You'll need it sooner or later. And so it's always good to take notes. So if you're taking notes, point number one, it takes faith to experience victory. Jot that down. It takes faith to experience victory. Now, if you notice, he uses, in this passage, he'll, he'll use six men of faith, and, they had, and, and there's nine fruits that come from these six men. If you'll look at verse 32, let's go over there for a moment. As we think of these six men and the fruits of their faith that followed them. And he says, what shall I say? What shall I say? I, I've said a lot, and I don't think I can say any more. And then he says, and time would fail me. I really don't have that much time to talk about all of these people of faith. But I'm going to share this with you. For time would fail me to tell off Gideon, and he mentions these six, Barak and Samson and Jephthah, David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets. Verse 33, Who through faith subdued kingdoms and wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Verse 34, Quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of the weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, or turn to flight their enemies. So he says, he says, time's not going to, uh, time's going to fail me to tell you about. And then he calls out Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel. And he says, um, these, all these men had great faith. Now you're familiar with about four of these. I was familiar with about four. I was familiar with Gideon and Samson and David and, and Samuel and, um, uh, I, I knew something about those. But what's more interested is the ones that are not on his list. And I got to thinking about the ones that are not on his list of people that had great faith. I mean, David was, uh, Daniel was not on his list. Shagrach, Meshach, and Abednego was not on his list. Isaiah was not on his list. Jeremiah was not on his list. Ruth was not on the list. Hannah was not on the list. Mary was not on the list. There are a lot of people of great faith that were not on his list. So the question is, why did he mention these, these six and he, leave out, he left out all the others? Well, if you look real close and think about these six, they were flawed individuals. They, uh, Gideon, if you remember, Gideon refused to obey God. He went, hid himself in a cave, and then he laid out a fleece before God. Barak, he was, uh, he was prompted by a prophetess, Deborah, to follow God. He really didn't want to obey God and Deborah prompted him to follow God. Samson, remember the story of Samson? He was enticed by this lady by the name of Delilah. And you know the situation he got in there. And Jephthah, he made a vow unto God. And that rash vow uh, caused the death of his sister. And then you had David. You know what happened to David? He committed adultery with Bathsheba and, and later had her husband killed. And he was actually committed murder. And then you have Samuel, and Samuel had these two sons, and they dishonored God. And uh, all of these guys had something in common, and the common thing was they were flawed individuals. And he mentioned these six flawed individuals that had great faith. 
And so when you study Hebrews chapter 11, you'll find that everyone mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, which is known as the Hall of Fame of Faith, all the people mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 were flawed people. This chapter, this chapter, all the people of faith, chapter 11 of Hebrews, often referred to as the Hall of Fame of Faith, Everyone in Hebrews 11 is a sinner. Everyone is flawed. Everyone has sinned against God. Everyone has transgressed against God. Everyone has missed the mark. But all of us have too, haven't we? We're just like them. But they had faith. They had faith. And if you have faith in the Lord Jesus, you know as well as I do, if you're a believer, that he has the power to forgive you of your sins and put you right with him. It doesn't matter about your past. You've been made right with him through the blood of Jesus Christ, and you've got a lot to look for in the future. So look at these six men. What did they have in common? All of them were flawed. What does everyone have in common in Hebrews chapter 11? They all had their flaws. They're all sinners, and we're no different. We're sinners also that have been forgiven by God. Now notice, if you will, look at these forgiven and how their faith were, was exemplified. Look at verse 33. Now, he mentioned those, those who had faith, and he said, um, first, who through faith subdued kingdoms? Well, that, that would be David. He'd mentioned David. That, that would be a fruit. Who through faith had subdued kingdoms? Who wrought righteousness? Who wrought, uh, who wrought righteousness or justice that would be if you study the book of Jephthah if you study the book of Judges you'll see where Jephthah wrought uh, righteousness and then uh, obtained promises that would be Abraham he obtained promises and then stopped the mouths of lions who would that be remember Daniel and the lions then that that would be Daniel quenched the uh, the the violence of the fire who quenched the power of fire that'd be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then, uh, then he says, out of weakness were made strong. Out of weakness they became strong. Who would that be? That'd be Samson. Remember, out of his weakness he became strong. So it mentions Samson. Wax valiant in fight. That would be uh, Joshua. You remember Joshua? He was, a, he was a fighter for the Lord. He turned, uh, turned the flight, uh, the Armies of the aliens, and turn the enemies away, put foreign armies to flight. That would be Gideon. And so he mentions all the fruit of those that had faith. Each one of those individuals had the fruit of faith demonstrated in their life. Now, however, the key in the whole list, uh, the list that relates to all of these is found um, there where, where it just simply says uh, in verse 34, out of weakness, and you need to underline this, out of weakness, they were made strong. Out of weakness, they were made strong. They were made strong out of weakness. Here's the point. Listen real carefully. The point is every person listed, they were weak, and every person had been empowered and strengthened by God. Everyone was weak, but every person had been empowered and strengthened by God. Here's the point. You are weak, and I'm weak. But it's our faith in God that empowers us. When we're the weakest, that's when he becomes the strongest. When you think you can do it all without God, that is not smart at all. When you know your weakness and you know his strength, 
that's when God can do something in your life. And that's what happened in those that give evidence of faith there in verses 32 and 33. Look, if you will, just look on the screen. Paul says something relating to this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Listen to what he says. First, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. He says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. It's not about us, but our faith is in God. When we put our faith in ourselves, we're going to mess up. We're not going to be as strong as we think we are. But our power is in, not in us, but our power is in God, not in us. Paul said something else in 2 Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12. You're familiar with this. Listen to what he says in verse 7. He says, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Verse 8, for this, call, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul said, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So the point is, it's, it's in our weakness that God works and makes us strong. And we have to realize that. So faith is not a matter of weakness, but faith really is a matter of strength when we realize that our faith is to be placed in God. So faith is trusting God to empower us, to equip us as a child of His as we face whatever comes to us in our life. I don't know what you're going through in your life. I know things that I've gone through in my life, and it's only been the faith of God, my faith in God, me, re me realizing that I'm not strong at all, that I can't overcome it without the power of God in my life. And my faith is in Him. And when I, when I realize that, God begins to work in my life. So the key is God's people in Hebrews 11, 32, they were made strong out of weakness. Uh, Brother Ryan uh, shared a story about going to China. And he came to a church that had been pastored by uh, a missionary by the name of Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor was a, a Presbyterian, uh, a Protestant missionary, and he had served uh, for uh, 51 years in China. And there was a quote they found in a book that he left in this church. And the quote is this, and I'll quote, quote, All of God's giants were weak. They were weak men and weak women who did great things for God because they reckoned God would be with them. That's how they did great things. They knew that God would be with them. Now, next Sunday, we're going to begin our week of prayer for international missions, and we're going to begin to prepare for our Lottie Moon Christmas offering for international missions. And tonight, Jamie Dora is going to come, and he's going to share about going with the International Mission Board and serving um, uh, past summer or last fall. And, uh, and what that meant to him and how, how God grew him uh, during that time in his life. But we're blessed to have people who are willing to leave everything because a call of God on their life 
because they reckoned, they reckoned themselves that God would be with them. And that's very important. I shared with you this family, the Jordan family, Kevin and Wendy Jordan, IMB missionaries from Winfield, Alabama. Their mother, Grace Jordan, has been to our church several times to go through the secret churches that we've had here and those uh, the long Bible studies that we've, we've done for the past few years. But they've had their family in this undisclosed location. They have, um, they have those uh, three children. They have Connor, Connor, he's the little boy, and then they have the little girl, Hannah, on the far left. And then they have... Uh, a new one there, in, uh, second from the, the left. Her name is Sarah. Do we have another picture of them, Joel? This is a, a recent picture of them. This was this past fall as they celebrated a, a harvest day. Let's look at another one. Here are the two older children. That's Hannah on the right, Connor there on the left. There's little Sarah. She just celebrated her, her birthday. And, and while you're seeing this on the screens... We had to cut this from the TV simply because they're in this undisclosed location and they're afraid that their pictures would be recognized and their faces would be recognized and they're not able to, uh, they're not able to be, they don't want them to be identified in no way. Here's, uh, here's Kevin baptizing a young lady that came to Christ. Here's a couple of pastors he was working with and sharing with them how to present the gospel. And then we got this. This is little Hannah. This was a year ago, and she was suffering from asthma, and she was in the hospital. And I got a, an email recently from the Jordans that said that uh, we needed to pray for her because she was extremely sick, and they were at a certain location in the best hospital they could find trying to take care of her. So if you would, pray for the Jordans. Now, why are they doing what they're doing? Simply because they reckon that God's going to be with them. You see, that's why they're doing what they're doing. In your announcement sheet, you notice there's this 13-year-old little girl that was persecuted for being a Christian, and she stepped out in faith because she reckoned that God would be with her. Almost 39 years ago, Judy and I, we came here simply because we felt like we reckoned that God would be with us. Uh, Corey and Shane and... Canaan, they adopted Judah from Taiwan. Why did they do that? They reckoned that God would be with them. You see, the faith, some of you experienced a tornado in 2011, and, and you knew, you reckoned that God would be with you. Mountain View Baptist Church in 1921 started its ministry simply because a group of people reckoned that God would be with them. And so the whole point is God uses our weakness in our faith, so we can experience victory. And so the point being, we've experienced a lot of victory individually and then as a church simply because of faith. And so one side of faith is when we step out and we experience victory. But real quick, it takes faith also, not only to experience victory, but secondly, if you take a note, it takes faith to endure difficulty. Let me share with this real quick. Now notice Paul makes a twist here and he takes a turn and he mentions those nine fruits of a victorious life. We read those. And then he goes down to verse 35 and he talks about something else. 35, let me get back to um, Hebrews chapter 11. In verse 35, he, he takes a switch here and, and uh, look at verse 34. 
he says, uh, or verse 35, women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured. Now, see the twist? Before, it was about victories. Now, it's about torture. It's about, being people, it's about people dying, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others, verse 36, had trial of cruel mockings and scourging, yea, more uh, over of bonds and imprisonment. And they were stoned, and they were sawn asunder, and they were tempted, and they were slain with a sword, and they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted in torments. You see the difference? One receiving victory because of faith, the other receiving trials because of faith. Another side of a coin. This, these had problems. They had punishment. You have a contrast there in verse 33 and 34. You have deliverance, you have victory. And then verse 35 and through verse 38, you have problems and punishment and imprisonment and persecution and affliction and death. It appears that you have everything but victory in those verses. So here's the question that I hear oftentimes. And the question is, did that second group not have as much faith as the first group? Is that why they suffered like they suffered? Did they not believe as much as the others believed? Or did they not just, uh, could they not just have a little more faith and not have suffered what they suffered? Did they just, just need a little more faith to have been victorious? Is that, the, is that the problem? No, that's not the problem. What you have in verse 35 through 38 is the other side of faith. First side, faith is deliverance. The second side... Faith is endurance. Now, there are going to be times that God's going to give us triumph. He has us at church. He has individually. He's going to give us victories in our lives. Then there's going to be times, instead of triumphs and victories, God's going to give us trouble. We're going to experience that trouble in this life. Jesus said it this way, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So remember that God is a God both in triumph and he's the same God in a time of trouble. Some teach today that if you just believe and have faith, you're going to be prosperous in this life. You're going to be healthy and the disease is going to be gone and, and you won't have any trouble whatsoever. That's entirely contrary to what the Word of God says in Hebrews eleven thirty-five through 37, contrary. So just jot this down. Somewhere there's two principles that we have to remember. Number one, sometimes our loyalty to God will create us or cause us trouble and problems and circumstances that really cause us to to struggle. That's what happened to the early Christians. That's what's happening to many Christians today all over the world as they're being persecuted. And so the writer of Hebrews wants us to know that not all circumstances end victorious and that end in a deliverance, but some circumstances end up in endurance. Now, I don't know what you're going through right now. You may say, well, I sure haven't had the victory. But the other side of that coin is the endurance. God may be giving you the endurance, and will give you the endurance to go through whatever you're going through in your life. Sometimes God will deliver us. Other times, uh, he'll, he'll enable us to endure what we're going through. 
So the point is, God causes some to overcome with triumph while he causes other people to overcome with endurance. And I see that from time to time. Let me give you an illustration. Let's say there's two families from Mountain View Baptist Church and both have a loved one in the hospital. And we're praying for, one, we're praying for both. Both families are praying for their loved one to be well. Both are praying. And then you have... One family's loved one lives. Strong faith. Then the family, the other family, their loved one dies. Lack of faith. Why did, why did one illness lead to the death and the other lead to life? I've been asked that from time to time. You see, there's times, here's the point, there's time God will give us deliverance, life, then there's times that God will give us deliverance, death. He works that way. So the point is to think that, don't think whatsoever that your faith controls your life. The sovereign God of the universe is who controls our life. And God, God decides whether he provides deliverance or he decides whether he will provide endurance in my life. Look at verse 38. I'm closing. He says, Of whom the world was not worthy, they wandered in deserts and in mountains and dens and caves of the earth. They'd been rejected by the world, but they'd been adopted by God. And all the, and these, these all have obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. They'd been rejected because of their faith. There's a passage of Scripture that means a lot to me in John chapter 9, verse 1 through 3. And I'm going to close with this. John 9, and I'm going to read verse 1. Jesus is uh, uh, approached by a blind man. He saw this blind man. Verse Verse 1, John 9. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, now listen, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. That's key. It takes faith to experience victory. Other times, it takes faith to endure our difficulties. You have two sides. You have a side that brings deliverance. You have the other side that brings endurance. Now, I don't know what God's chosen for your life. It may give you deliverance. It may give me deliverance. Or there may be times in my life where God says, I'm like he did Paul. Paul says, take it away, God, three times. And God said this, I'm going to give you endurance. My faith, or my, my grace, your faith, my grace is sufficient for thee. He may give us deliverance. If he chooses not to, then he'll give us endurance to go through whatever we're going through. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for a time that we can come together and think about 
think about faith in a different way perhaps than we have in the past. I don't know the hearts of people that are here today. I don't know what they're going through. Oftentimes, Lord, when we, in this world, when we come to a, a, a trial in our life, or some type of uh, worldly test, something that, that's in our way, uh, Father, we're confused. And so, uh, today, you've helped us to understand that sometimes there'll be a deliverance, as mentioned there with the first six, or there'll be an endurance to go through what's before us and then victory in the end. And that was the uh, Christians that were persecuted. I pray for each person here today, Lord, who has trusted you as Lord and Savior of our life. Help us to realize when, when we're the weakest, you're the strongest. Help us, Lord, whatever we face in this life, Put our faith and trust in you, knowing that you'll deliver us, Lord, and we'll be victorious, or you'll give us the endurance that we need to go through what we face. And then in the long run, we'll also be delivered. So I pray for each person. I pray for those who have never trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. I pray today they would come and put their faith and trust in you and no one else for their salvation. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do during this invitation time. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.